0: Good evening. Welcome to another episode of Card Authority. Yes. Hello, everyone. I'm uh, I'm a little bit flat. Good evening. Oh. Welcome to another episode of Card Authority. <laughs> That's my computer. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I'm a little bit flat. Obviously, the Tigers had a bit of a stiff one. Thank you, Stephen. Let me just see if I can find the band button for you. Uh, my aspiring partner Jankovic, how are you i'm
1: great i'm great uh, i'm not as flat with respect to the footy results because well, it's uh, been a couple of days well, for you yeah but it's a long time since killed a supporter i'm used to saints footy there's nothing yeah. new it's when we win it's a surprise yeah yeah that's true that's true not, but, like, not like your mum. you lose like
0: that and it's a surprise yeah well i know i kind of feel like a little bit like iron you know what i mean like when i don't win premierships <laughs> in every game and <laughs> something's going wrong absolutely um g'day everyone i hate people on stream hey ash yeah. crispy Rason, Jack, the Steve, Jax. Plappy, Crispy, Ash, Squid, Brendan, how are you? Thank you everyone for joining us for episode 21, I believe. Is that what we're up to. Yeah. I, don't know. I
1: lost track a while ago. I'm glad I rely on you to take care of all the technical well, uh, I, related stuff. I think stuff it's 21. I'm not sure. Yeah. We might have lost track. What a
0: journey it's been so far. It yes. feels like we're just getting started. Hello, Richo. Yes, yes. West yeah. Coast Eagles. All off. Right, I'll take some Richmond heckling for the first couple of minutes and then I'll be right there on the ban button. Very, very good. Donnie. Donnie, how are you, mate? Um, but yeah, look, it's been a, it's been a, an interesting time here in Melbourne. Obviously, we've just gone through another little mini lockdown, yeah. um, which, you know, it's been hard on everyone. It's been challenging. Um, obviously, you know, we've got kids at home. We know what it's like. I'm sure you guys out there have got kids and... Your jobs are affected. G'day, Solly. G'day, Em. Um, G'day, Rodney. Yeah, we'd love to do this weekly, but we are... Sometimes life gets in the way, but we'll certainly over the next couple of weeks where we've got a little bit more downtime. We'll try to whip these out every week for us. And also footy gets in the way Thursday nights too. We normally like to do it Thursday night. Anyway, um, yeah, it's been a a challenging week for everyone. And obviously there's some people, you know, really doing it pretty tough out there. Um, But thankfully, you know, there's been a... It feels like a strong banding together of the card community that everyone has been um, relatively positive and yeah. doing lots of really good things. And obviously we're at the back end of a release now with Prestige. Yeah.
1: I, th- I think the forced lockdown for, in terms of cards has given people a chance to take stock a little bit. I don't know certainly yep. like we have, in terms of everything we do, have had a chance to, to probably catch up over the last couple of weeks on, on a bunch of stuff that we've been distracted from and i know yep. in terms of my personal collection at home which we'll talk about a bit later in the show in terms of like the storage and you know how people set their collections and layout and stuff like yep. that i have spend a bit of time catching up all my mail from the last few weeks and everything as well so it's definitely presented some positives in that respect too but uh what a time it's been for the last few weeks what a huge i can't believe it's the middle of the year already i oh, know it's literally the middle of the year but it's been a huge six months for cards already. Absolutely, and I'm looking forward to tonight to talking a bit about uh, about exactly that and about the uh, you know the involvement side and the emotional side of it, but also laying a bit of hard raw data out there on everyone as well. I know there's a lot of people thinking a lot of things and a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions about where things are at in the hobby, and especially like with AFL cards in this marketplace and. Uh, yeah, we've got some interesting numbers and, and some good data sets to, to back up some really interesting stuff. And as we continue to say, what a time, what a time to be involved in cards. Absolutely. And look, you know, I guess that's probably a good little snapshot of that.
0: And gay you know, everyone's coming on the stream. I- uh, it's scrolling so fast. Go, Wayno, Dale, G'day Andrew, Mario. Flappy's got a big card on the way to me. I'm very much mm, looking forward to that. Nice. Actually, we got a big card on the way to Plappy as well, oh, I really think. Yep. yep. Um, so, look, it's been really good. Um, and, you know, I think probably, I know it's about a week old, this news, but, you know, we obviously saw Logan Paul the other night when he fought, fought Mayweather. Who would have thought 12 or 18 months ago you'd have a guy walking around with a $2 million card around his neck yeah. as the ultimate flex? Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think the whole thing was one of the really interesting things that I saw about that was, so obviously that, that Charizard-graded Pokemon card is that card that went from like 10000 to 50000 to a quarter of a million dollars, and I think there was one that sold for peaked at 750 yep. and he came out very publicly and said, this card's going to a million dollars. And it didn't get there. And then he went and did that, and then one sold apparently like quite instantly. Yep. So obviously it's all, all part of that, the sentiment train and, and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, pretty interesting. And it's just an interesting perspective. Take away from the card itself and all that, what it's showing is how big and mainstream trading cards are going and whether that's here or overseas and whether it's sports cards or um, gaming cards, whatever it is. Cards in general, it feels like it, it, it's got that, that aura around it that we were seeing maybe with crypto a few years ago when it was starting to bubble through where there was big talk on the on the people who were involved side so in this respect there's you know the collectors have seen it growing over the last couple of years but we're just seeing more and more of that mainstream interaction now and it goes beyond just an article somewhere and when it moves into something like athletes going and doing things like that and social influencers, but it has worldwide coverage on all major news outlets and you would say that that part of the, the whole fight probably got as much coverage as anything else did within the fight itself. So
0: Absolutely. And, and you touched on about the crypto thing. Like, obviously, my you know previous life was in poker and there was a stage there for a couple of years. Anyone that was in Vegas playing the World Series, all the talk at the table
1: was crypto. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it, but that's, and that's years before anyone else ever heard absolutely. about anything to do with it. So it's almost like you're looking at, you know, and we often talk about the, the variety of different people who are involved in trading cards. We've got your, your very purest collectors. You've got your speculators who may also cross over as collectors. You've got collectors who are also in the business of trading cards. You've yep. got people who are purely there to try and make money. You've got all these different people in the ecosystem. But I think the last 12 months has shown that we've seen the big increase in participation rate, especially coming from a speculation and investment side of things. I think those people would consider themselves as being the ones who are almost your reference to the guy sitting at the poker table
0: yep, years absolutely. before
1: talking about crypto. Yep. It's before it's even gone to the mainstream. And that's the thing. Like I think a lot of people talk about cards and say, oh, we're at the peak of the boom or we've hit the peak of this boom. I'm strong, and I'm still strong in my opinion that it's not the case. We'll see ebbs and flows across different sports, different markets, domestic and international, but ultimately I still think we're in the very early phases of what would is a cyclical boom that started to take place well before corona. Yeah, and that
0: actually ties in with a good question that Richo just posted, and I'll put that on the screen. So the NBA boom has slowed a bit and prices are dropping. Do you think that will cross into AFL cards? And I think probably, Richo, from my perspective of how I've seen things... We had a ridiculous draft class in 1920, Zion, Jar. Yeah. So, you know, cross that with COVID, amazing players that are generational players. I, you know, I'm not an NBA person. But then you move into, say, this year where LaMelo was very much touted as the next big thing. Yeah. Gets injured, gets, you know, he's effectively off the court for six months. Yeah. Probably a little bit of a, a saturation in product from penny yeah, yeah. And, and everyone just suddenly got burned out when, I think you told me the other day, a box of prism might've been a couple of hundred dollars last year. Yeah, This year it came out the gates at like three or four it thousand. It started at a higher price and as a result of reverse. So you didn't yep. see the hype
1: and excitement of something going up in price yep. because it almost it started at the top and it fell back. Um, my take on uh, on on Richo's thing here is, so, so twofold is I think the MBA marketplace is global as well, so therefore it's got global forces at play. I think you had a lot of people move in and like they would look at any other type of, you know, equities market or a derivatives market, people moved in to make money. They took their profits and I think what's taking place at the moment is probably a new base being set. However, the the, the baseline now, so the low of the market now for MBA is still, I, I don't have the numbers, but I would say it's still thousands of percent above where it was two years ago yep, so cool. as a result. So again, like if you want to make those comparisons to crypto, well, you look at crypto in 2016 and Bitcoin you picked up at $750, it climbed up within six months, it climbed to like 10,000, but then it fell back for 12 months and sat between 1,000 and 4,000. And all of a sudden then within a three month period it went to 60,000. Yep. So I, I almost think like a base is being set as more and more people move in. My opinion is that with trading cards in general, there's a lot more people coming in than people going out at any given point in time in the current cycle. And, now, I, would, and I would definitely say that's
0: the case for AFL. That, and know, that's a, and we,
1: we've got the data to back that up. Yeah, and, and, and uh, we're yeah. certainly going to
0: talk about yeah. that a little bit later. But I think that's a, you know, to come back to your question, is that, you know, do I think there might be a little bit of a flattening in price? And I think with AFL, that's more based on the cycle of a release yeah, You know, a release comes out, the prices are high, they then sort of either certain cards go higher or lower, which again we'll talk yeah. about, and then there's the drop-off and then there's the new release. Yeah. So it, it's perhaps a little bit smaller snapshot in AFL yeah. than perhaps
1: it would be on NBA that feels well, something extreme. It's lower volume, different marketplace, but also just to, to address the second part of Richo's, what Richo said there, I actually think what's going on in NBA has the opposite effect on AFL. I think what we're seeing at the moment is a significant amount of people from both the nba but also from the gaming market as well from the gaming card yep. market and and other international sports markets who are predominantly people within australia who collect those other items or have been involved in those other genres are now actually moving into afl because the barrier to entry is much lower so they're going okay well if the price of rookie cards in the nba are now unattainable for your everyday person they still want to either collect something or they want to try and flip something or they want to have a, have a crack at something. Yep. And they're looking at, at AFL as an entry because for the most part, I think we'll find there's a lot of people that, that follow footy and follow a footy club to the extent they're probably a member but have never collected footy cards, but they do collect basketball cards. Yep. And I think a lot of those people are being attracted. And I think, and again, probably something we'll touch on a bit later, but I think you know part of the rise at the moment in the value of rookie cards, draft pick signatures, um, you know, goat players or perceived goat players like Dusty and Gary Ablett and stuff, we're seeing part of the, the price rise and demand rise on those cards is a result of people from the NBA market moving into, into AFL with the mentality that they're used to with respect to collecting a, and being involved in NBA cards, which we're not used to in the AFL card market. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And I was
0: just going to say, like, I think people like Cherry are doing a really great job. And some of the other, I guess, breakers and communities to a lesser extent that Cherry are probably flying the flag a little bit of trying to cross-pollinate people from NBA to AFL. Yeah. And, you know, I guess not to simplify, but people physically can't afford to go and collect the star players in NBA anymore. Correct. Whereas if you're, you know, being told that you've got to go and spend thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars in some cases to, to collect your Jordans or your Lebrons or your Zions, yeah. you know, Dusty's probably a little bit of an exception, but pretty much any other team, you can go and collect and PC the player that you want for a fairly reasonable price. Yeah. There are cards that they can get their teeth into. Yeah.
1: Um, whereas I feel like that window is slipping a little bit further. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I definitely, uh, definitely agree with that. I also think probably one of the bigger lures of AFL cards and we need to remember it is a domestic product. It's a domestic market product. It's an Australian product that only Australians really understand. But I think one of the big things that a lot of those other people, whether they're NBA people or they're sneaker guys or they're they're poker people or mm-hmm. crypto guys or whoever it is, people who are catching on to trading cards, one of the big things with AFL is the real short print aspect of it yep. and the fact that so many cards are numbered. So, therefore... I think, one, it presents the the finite side of it, that it's collectible and has a perceived value because it is truly limited. Sure. But I also think the fraud side of things, I think so many people are concerned with the international cards at the moment and what's taking place with forgeries and things like that. Yeah, we've that talked about that the, before, the, yeah. AFL product, you know, it, look, at the end of the day, anything can be forged, anything can be recreated. Yep. But the whole numbering side of things and the way AFL product is set up, it, it really, I think, mitigates a lot of that stuff and especially in people's minds. But I think, I, I don't know, I think, regardless of what's going on in other sports at the moment, as Richo said, I think AFL cards, and again, the data, which we can talk about a bit later, will show that it's just going up and up and, and the participation rate increases. And yeah, it's, yep. uh, it's and, and, it's and awesome. I
0: guess, yeah, and I guess, look, you know, we we can only speculate off the data that we have um and that we see i guess in the marketplace across you know the the wide range of ventures that we're involved in but i i feel like the base the base you know or the floor of the ceiling is rising every day with every release there's there's new people coming in like we we certainly notice people are coming to the shop and people that sort of do things on our ebay account you know, you get stuck in a little bit of this Facebook bubble of the groups, which we've talked about a little bit. Yeah. There are so many people that are buying cards and interacting and engaging with us. And I'm sure a lot of the other businesses that are not in these Facebook groups. Yeah. So to me, that's a really nice reassuring sign that things are going well. Yeah. Um, and I guess, look, you know, we'll talk about it now about prestige. I, I very much, I've said this to you a couple of times. It feels like let's look at prestige this year versus last year things are a lot more turbocharged and i'm not sure whether that's because the way select is distributing the product that more people have stock in hand that they can open quicker um and there aren't cases sitting there in places um so more cards are coming out people are chasing quicker they're wanting to sure. spend money all that kind demand. Of stuff. demand is the of course, driver course yeah. of everything so yeah.
1: irrespective of how select distributes their product the key motivating factor will always be: is there more people that want it than the amount that's being no, created? The, no, but the, distri- uh, the
0: distribution is important because of how it gets because opened. Because I, I would ask, argue last year's, say dominance. Yeah, the demand was there. Yeah, but the difference was you could only buy. You could buy three cases at a time. Yeah, you
1: know. So the, and therefore it didn't get opened at the same frequency. A lot that's, more. Get that's open. right. So, it's so months and months. And I think I think part of what's driving the, the speed at, at which people are building their sets and getting things done is the fear of missing out with the knowledge of, well, if it was so hard and if it's so competitive to buy the boxes first up, then it's going to be competitive to get your set done. So you've got to work hard early if you want to get it done. And I think we're we're seeing, we're very much seeing Prestige as being the big demonstrator so far. Footy Star is obviously massive. It looks to be pretty much sold out across the board nationally, very few and far between news agencies and stuff. Rarely have it, like no one really has it. But the hobby release being Prestige is obviously the big the big first uh, Well, how much prestige set of data points for us, I suppose. So, how much
0: Prestige do you think is so out in the wild at the moment?
1: Opened? Unopened. Oh, unopened? Yep. I don't think that there could not be any more than 20% out there unopened. So what, it's
0: a 700 case. So you think there's 140 cases out there in the wild? No, probably over No, I don't
1: even think there's that much, to be honest. I'd say then, yeah, under 100 cases.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I, I feel like it's, yeah, I would, I Somewhere
1: between 50 and 100. Yeah, I, I reckon yeah. down to my head, I
0: would have probably yeah. said somewhere around 50. Yeah. Um, it just feels like there's so much stock. And, you know, one of the the data points that I look at is I keep an eye on um, marquee cards that are out and you get a rough idea of how many are out for each player, which gives you a kind of a little bit of a snapshot of how many cases are open. Exactly, yeah. Being that there's one... Um, one case, one per case. Yeah. So, yeah, look, maybe it's somewhere between 50 and 100. Yeah. Um, You know, no doubt Steve at CardZone would have some, and I'm sure some other people are holding some cases yeah. as well. But, you know, there definitely
1: would not be a lot. If, yeah, there wouldn't be There wouldn't be a lot, and a, lot, a lot's been open. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And it's been interesting. So we've seen the same trends that exist for every release. However, we've seen them happen differently, I suppose, a little bit. Better. You know, things have been a bit different in terms of, Product comes out, it gets opened, prices start high because people want to get sets done, lock in their cards. People get a set done, you normally then see a massive dump off and then you see it take a really long time for things to sort of dry up and then rise. This time around we haven't, we've seen much more ferocious buying than there has been selling. Mm -hmm. We've seen dumping has been... Nowhere near at the scale as. I I reckon there's been ferocious trading too. Yeah, so trading is the the most I've ever personally seen for the release for the time I've been. And what we've been involved in as well. Yeah, trading trading for for this this release. Trading for this release. Um, Actually, to be fair, I
0: think it started a little bit with Heritage. Yeah. When they released Heritage, there's going to be a bit of a a trading goodwill going on. But it felt like trading has been on steroids for Prestige.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, that, that, that's it. Yeah, I feel like the trading was the most I've ever seen. Like, And the trading lasted more than just a few days. It felt like the trading was going for two to three weeks. Yep. I feel like only in the last seven to 10 days have things really it's started kind to of take cool. off. It's, it's kind of but cool. It's because it, people have done their sets already. Yep. But it's also like I'm starting to get a lot of people saying to me, like, oh, I went to look to get this green now because I wanted to wait till the price dropped and I can't actually find it anywhere. Yep. So, as we've always said, those cards are numbered to 60 and 40 and to 80 to a lesser extent. They dry up really quickly. And to be honest, we're going to see the blues dry up pretty quickly as well. People, People have short memories when it comes to how fast cards actually end up drying up. You know, I've got friends who have joined the hobby only in the last couple of months and have decided to go back and team set. They can't even get their dominance hollow sets from 2019 and 2020 done at the moment because they don't exist, and those are cards. Is especially well, so really 2019, especially. So 2019, number to 350. You're literally like half the teams. You can't get dom- You can't get yep. hollow, even a hollow set done, let alone something else. Like, yep. and that's the thing. So these cards start to drop really quickly. We're seeing the cards dry up quicker. The other thing is, so there's people, and I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of different people, and so I'll be like, oh, you know, as always, look, the price has halved on these cards, on these greens, or these particular cards. Well, that may be correct, except the price has, may have halved from or something from 60 or 70 down to 35 or 40. But that equivalent card last year, when the dump was on and it halved, was only worth 15. Yep. So I think the takeaway from that is higher lows and also higher highs. So the de- more desirable and the bigger cards and the harder to find cards are achieving much higher prices, higher highs. But the lower end and not as desirable stuff are still achieving higher lows, which I think is an indicator that a new base level has been set across the whole market. I think what we begin to then see over the coming weeks and what will be a really good indicator is because all the new participants and the new people who have joined the hobby, all those great people out there, have now come into prestige, smashed prestige, got their set done, they've got the bug, they've got the vibe, they're going back. They're going back in time to find what they want now, and whether it's they're a dusty collector and they want dusty cards, or they're a St Kilda collector and want a team set St Kilda, or, or, or they're a Fremantle collector that's moved in because Frio has been being, being cheap and it's affordable and easy to do, people start to backlog. And this is where you start to see, if you're an eBay seller or someone that trolls eBay a lot, or you're a Peter Buchanan with 70 million alerts set up, you begin to, to realize, even over the last probably two weeks, the amount of previous series cards go going selling through and disappearing, and the stuff that's been there for years. Like, yeah, and
0: and I think off. and look, there's a couple of comments in the in the chat about bulk collecting, which we'll get to in a second. But one of the big things I noticed from this series, opposed to perhaps last, is that, and let's put Richmond aside and Dusty aside for a second because they're kind yeah. of a little bit allies, Yeah, but there are a handful of cards now that. Have gone through the stratosphere price wise. Oh, yeah. Everyone's talked about the Petrakas, yeah. you know, going for 400, 500 a card. Yeah. You know, Sloan has always been one that's been a little bit expensive to get. Yeah. Nick Nat now, um, Max Gorn, you know, Heath Shaw last year. Yeah. There are cards now that people are either collecting, bulk collecting, getting multiples of. Or more people are collecting it. So I think a probably combination it's of a everything. It's combination of everything. Yeah, yeah. So definitely you see that the prices, you know, if we look back at, oh, Rosie is another one. Yeah, yeah. Many answers just said, you know, if you look back a year ago, there was probably only two or three cards that people were doing that for. Yeah. Now there feels like, you know, Parish, for yeah. example, Parish of the Essence supporters yeah. B- yeah. Thanks, Don. I saw you just mentioned that as well. Yeah. But there are now multiple cards. Oh, and Walsh as well.
1: Walsh. Yeah, Walsh B- Jack Steele, Max King. Every yeah. every club seems to have them now. Nat Five cards. Like. Yeah. Every club, every but it's Ben, in, ben it's, King, it's it, like every club. Oh, ben,
0: I forgot, Ben it, King you know, for no, no, Gold Coast It's yeah, crazy. like
1: it's every club, every club seems to have it at the moment, yeah. yeah.
0: Where it used to be pretty exclusive to Richmond and maybe a couple of others. And look, I spoke to a guy the other day who I was speaking on. I won't say his name, but he's um, a big collector. And I said, oh, are you bulking um, Richmond Greens? And he's like, well, no, but... I can't get any trades done anymore, so I need to get as many Richmond Greens as I can to be able to trade. so I can yeah. then use them to trade for other things. Yeah. And he's like, I don't like it, but it's just what I have to do. Yeah. So he's not actively going out trying to buy everything he can, Yeah. but if he can pick up three or four good cards at good
1: prices, well, he's grabbing them. Absolutely. Which, uh, know, look, I've always been a big advocate of you need trade bait. Yeah. You know, I, you know I, I was harping on about it probably in the first or second episode of this show yeah the importance to me of having picked up non-St. Supremacy and Series 2 cards, yep. which I was planning to hold for two years or three years until the next releases came out, yep. knowing full well that the, the, the price of cards was, it was going up. Demand was going through yep. the roof. So as a result, all of a sudden, when someone plucks out one of the cards I need from a good series, yep. it, it, it may not be financially viable to purchase that card at that price level, but maybe i've got a card that didn't cost me as much that is worth as much in the modern day that that person actually needs and that's where i think and I, and that's the thing like i think a lot of people get upset when they publicly see people buying cards and not from their team like i know like people who know me well know that i try to avoid purchasing publicly non saint kilda cards because i don't want basically people to have the wrong idea about what i'm doing but if I find things that are the, the right price and they're available for sale that I think are good trade options, I buy them and I hold them.
0: Yeah, and, and look, you know, I'll, I'll touch on this, Robbie. It's a good question. Obviously, there's a little bit of a uh, a train of thought or a little bit of chatter going on about this. I never understood bulk collecting. Is there a reason in particular to bulk collect a certain card? And, and look, I'll answer first and then I'll obviously let you talk <laughs> about this. Um, Robbie, I don't think there's a particular reason, but I guess this probably falls under the mantra that, people can collect any way they like. Some people like collecting low numbers, some people like collecting jumper numbers, some people like collecting certain subsets, some people like collecting a certain player. So um, is there a particular reason? No, I think people would just collect as they choose. But obviously I'm lucky enough to be sitting here, someone who is is a bulk, we are a bulk collector. Um, what, What was your motivation of bulk? collecting first
1: of all um it's a weird one I, I probably just fell into it but I'll tell you originally it's different St Kilda cards when I came into to collect to, you know when I came back to collecting cards three or four years ago three and a half years ago St Kilda as a club was at the absolute you know in the dregs down the bottom we'd come yep. through a period we didn't win a grand final but we built to a peak and then we dropped off that was reflected in cards I came into the hobby most of the St Kilda collectors had left the hobby Yep. And the ones that were still there, it was very much a situation of people get St Kilda cards and it's just, it's like paperweight basically. They just want to offload it. So I came in and, I, I look, I, I, it's, a, it's a story for another day, but I was looking to fill a team coach set for my kids, ended up moving on to some select cards, got stuck into footy stars, decided okay I'm going to collect some brownlow predictors got the brownlow predictor set done in like a day basically on facebook yep. and it was costing like 10 to 15 dollars a predictor it was cheap for some killer predictors yep. i was like these things look awesome it was the gold foily ones they looked awesome i was like all right, I'm bored and this isn't going to be that expensive. I'm going on a mission. And for those who have been around long enough, you would remember my photos and stuff from back then. If you were around, feel free to comment. I don't know if there anyone is here. But there was a point I I accumulated 130 St Kilda Brownlow predictors. Yep. And it was like, I was just like, wow, like, so I, I feel we, like I've achieved something. Like, so was that just your challenge? That was my challenge to myself because yep. I had nothing better to do. I did that and then I got, well, I couldn't find any more. I was like, what next? You know, I'm just going to team set St Kilda. Then uh, different collectors put me onto different mm-hmm. things. All of a sudden I became a St Kilda Master Set Collector. Then I started just, I, I don't know, I got into numbers. I got into wanting to, uh, I picked certain players. I love Jack Steele. My son loved Jack Steele. He was the guy. We were on to him in 2018 we yep. just decided we just want lots of jack steel cards started going hard at jack steel yep. you know started going hard at certain other things it, uh, it, it just happened like it just happened but like, it, it wasn't a
0: malicious plan to make it harder for someone else like no, it was just what you got no, and, out it, of and
1: inadvertently yeah. like and there's no doubt about it like you know people out there are going to say well oh he's holding a large chunk of the market of that particular card he's cornering He's cornering well you know from a technical standpoint it probably is cornering but it's 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 a it's inadvertently it's not like I went out with the intent to corner the market to to control a price level yep. to then go and take advantage of all these people those cards are in my collection what I do with them tomorrow in 10 years in 5 minutes time that that's up to me but all I know is that no one ever had an issue selling the card someone wanted to sell it at the time i was a buyer if the market's gone up and part of the contributing factor is because me and other people have a whole bunch of a particular player or something then then so be it however in saying that and there's lots of people the same like i heard on a personal level i try and help the other saints collectors and other set collectors who need the cards Mm -hmm. however i like to see them try and challenge themselves to find one Yep. First, but ultimately the roads will lead back and I'll, I'll sort it out, you know. But yeah. and, and, and and I yeah. think
0: it you touched on something there, and, and Ash has just said something similar too. But when I first got into collecting, I wanted to do the showstopper set, yeah. And you said to me on one of the very early episodes of Card Authority, the first
1: episode of yeah, Card Authority, what
0: yeah. you are collecting now and how you're collecting because I was just I had absolute blinkers on. That's all I wanted to call yeah, it. All you wanted was dusty cards and show in the showstopper. Well, It wasn't set. even dusty, well, that wasn't strong even strong dust it was strong now. It was more just the Yeah. So then once I completed that set, I'm like, well, what am I going to chase now? And I tried to, well, I'm still doing it, but attempted to do a Richmond master set. Yeah. All right. Which, you know, is incredibly daunting. Yeah. I then meant, all right, I'm going to refine and now fast forward a year and a half or whatever it is. I'm trying to backfill a Dusty set. Yeah. And I do these quite passively. I don't go out of them out of my way to hunt these stuff down. But now I have to go and get, if it's Dusty card, I need two of them because I need one for my Richmond set and one for my Dusty set. Yeah. So I've had a few people say, well, why do you need two of these cards? Well, it's because I've got two sets that I'm passively collecting. Yeah. You know, I'm not going and flipping them. Yeah. I just need them. Yeah. And I think a lot of people through their, their journey of... Collecting it changes. You don't wake up one morning and say, "I'm going to get every Sam Walsh card," no, so you, no you, one else can you, get you it. You
1: adjust, and you I think, adjust. I think yeah. now as well, because people are going so hard and fast at achieving their sets. I think because of that, it's also then now we're actually expanding the horizons for people. Yep. They're getting bored, so they may. So, say you're a team set collector, and you've never done multiples. You got your you got your your team set done of prestige within four days, and you're like. I want more. Yeah. Well, what's next? You know what? I'm going to pick this card or these cards. I'm just going to go hard at them. I'm going to set a price ceiling. This is what I want to pay for them. Or yep. well, these are the, my trades that I've got. I'm just going to go hard because I'm happy to have multiples of this. You know what I mean? I feel like probably this year and this series it probably has been a trigger point for a lot of people to start doing that. As it's been, seems to have been a big trend point now for jumper numbers, lows and O1s seem to be a big, a big thing now as well. Yeah,
0: and the other thing too is, and, I, and I'll again, I guess, you know, it hasn't been, oh, Glenn, you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, the everyone has the same right to get cards. You know, when, for example, and I guess I'm speaking on your behalf, um, you know, you buy off eBay, you do trades, you go in breaks, you buy sealed stock, everyone has the same right to go and, get those cards if they want. Yeah. Just because I want a dusty card doesn't mean I deserve it or I'm owed it. No. I go out and buy it or I trade for it or do whatever. Yeah. E- everyone has the same abilities. Yeah. Sure, there's a little bit of luck sometimes in it.
1: Yeah, and, and also people have different budgets and whatnot as well. Of course, of people course. can't resent each other or have animosity towards someone else. That's like saying, well, I don't like and the Robbie, bloke Robbie, store because he drives a nicer car than I do. That's right. And Robbie's mean, spot like, on here. I
0: don't think anyone has the right to question a collector's motives. If you're happy to commit and finance,
1: then I think it's fair. Well, that's right. No one's uh, no one's asking that's for, really a, good. for handouts, I suppose. You know what I mean? And yeah. at the end of the day, again, the economic side of things, everyone's in a different position, different people have different course. means. But I think that's one of the great things and one of the bigger laws of trading cards is there's something for everyone. If Absolutely. you want to do it and literally want to have a weekly budget of $5 for cards, well, you could get your base set done for, for every year, every series if you yep. wanted to. If you're going to have a budget that you can spend $1,000 on trading cards, or well, you're going to pick very specific a couple of yes. things that you want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But th- then there's those that are getting to the point now where it's like, okay, well, I used to get a master set done for $10,000 and for a series two. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to cost me $40,000. Am I still continuing with my master set or am I choosing to do something else?
0: Yeah. You know? And I guess, look, again, that's sort of as you led to before, there's so many different ways of collecting now, yep. you know, whether you are just someone that likes to go in breaks, um, whether you want to master set, team master set, yeah. player bulk, team bulk, all those sorts of things, and they're all fine. Yeah, they're all good, and that's what's good at creating this different community. And again, I want to, I want this all to be really positive because I think everyone, um, no one should have to justify or feel guilty. You know, I am not want to talk about us, whatever, yeah, yeah, but yeah. everyone, you collect, you know, what you want to collect. And Glenn, yeah, I see what you're saying about collectors that have 40 or 50 cards at a certain place. I mean, I would argue on short print cards... There's not many people that would have that much. Yeah, and oh, look,
1: I think there's a lot of rumours. There's a lot of rumours, which yeah. uh, Which started with a legitimate story of someone who did probably have multiples or a bulk of something, Yeah, but then got blown out. Like, I think, you know, there's someone that might have 15 or something that's blown out to them having 75 sort of thing. You like, know for right? example,
0: I like, obviously I saw that picture of the Dustin Martin greens yeah. a couple months ago. Yeah. I was
1: astonished someone had 30 of them. Look, that, that's, so, see, I bulked last year's series. I'm not going to say which players, but it's probably I didn't get to 30 of a particular player. For someone to do dusty at 30s, like it's insane. And look, I don't really want to go into the details of it.
0: But my point is though to have 50% of a production run. Yeah. First of all, is a phenomenal effort, whether I don't know how you acquired them, but whatever. But for anyone to have 30, 40, 50% of a production run, yeah is a phenomenal effort. Yeah. So, you know, people, you know, just to follow what you're saying about, um, Glenn, about people having 40 or 50 cards as a certain player, I think there's probably a little bit of mayo on it.
1: Would, yeah, would but mean, in, in saying that, there's certainly people that I'm aware of, myself potentially included, that have up to uh, you know 30 percent, or up to about a third of certain mm-hmm. certain cards but the reality is in order to get that many of that card they have to have been really widely available and no one wanted them at the time yep. so like no one's going out and can acquire 30 dusty greens you wouldn't think because 30 dusty greens will never make it to market know yep. 2021 because anyone most people that hit a dusty green are either holding on to it Or it's such a high-value card now that to acquire thirty would literally cost you twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why why I don't have thirty. Yeah, so so (laughs) so so the the demand, and that's the thing. So the demand for cards starts to impact the bulk collectors. So as AJ knows, and a couple of other people know, I have spent the same amount on my chase for prestige in twenty twenty one as what I did in twenty twenty, but I only have twenty percent of the card volume. So I've only got twenty percent of the amount of cards that I got from last year's prestige, and it's just—it's almost the same players represented. Yeah. But that's how how much the market's grown, and and it, and it's it's twofold. It's not just because it's a lot more expensive. That is one factor. Yeah. I just can't find it.
0: Yeah. Can I can I just touch something, Wayne, You've just put a, a good climb up here, which I want to touch, and I'll give you a working example for me. And I don't mind being honest about it. Is um I think you'd be surprised what some people have bought you can easily wheel and deal outside the public eye. Absolutely. And look, there's no secret. People know six months ago, eight months ago, I collected those logo headers. Yeah. And for the new people that might not be aware of the story. We did an experiment. Well, I did. I I I saw what you were doing and the fun you had trying to chase things. And I'm like, I can't do this with dusty cards. Yeah. What's something I might collect that nobody else wants. And I'm going to see if I can get a few of them. Yeah. So I started getting these logos. And what they are is it's like a checklist from Dominance 2020. I kid you not, these things were being sold for two bucks. Nobody wanted them. They
1: went to $20 overnight, basically. Because I bought a few yeah. hundred of them. Yeah.
0: And I was going around and going click, 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 click on every sales post. Everyone was happy to dump these things to me. You yeah. know, doing it privately, publicly, all that kind of stuff so it's easy to bulk something that nobody wants that's right and then suddenly when you s- people see that a few things are being taken the price goes up people want to make a bit more money from it yeah and suddenly those logos that I was paying two dollars yeah. for I'm having to pay 15 or 20 dollars yeah
1: but the reality is a lot of people choosing to collect something that has been bulked only want it because it's been bulked and oh. because there's a because you can't get it Everyone wants something. i did they read can't that, Stephen. Yeah, every, everyone wants something that they can't have. So it, it's it, you know, it's the Heathshore Greens from last year are a well pretty well mm-hmm. talked about example. A lot of people in the hobby see what happened there. the The series comes out. Heathshaw Greens are a twenty to thirty dollar card. Lots of people don't want to pay thirty dollars because their expectation is it's a GWS card. It should be fifteen dollars. As a result, it looks like someone else who, for whatever reason it is, they decide to PC and they want to bulk that card. They go out and start buying up and picking up as many as they can find. The card price starts surging on that card. All of a sudden, you can't find them below $120 or $130. However, the interesting thing was at the beginning of the release, I didn't see one person put a post up saying looking for Heath Shore cards or one person sent a message Mm -hmm. saying looking for Heath Shore cards. Only when they were impossible to find and they were worth $100, did everyone want the card afterwards? And I think that's a a representation of human nature. People want what they can't have and people want what other people have as well. Um, And and that's just human nature and you you see it really magnified in collectibles and especially in trading cards.
0: Definitely. And again, look, I'm not, you know, obviously I put some money into it and whatever, You know, would I go down that bulking route again? Probably not. And you're right. um, You're right, Donnie. It is a bunch of FOMO for sure. That's right. Um, But it was a fun thing for me to do in a series that I didn't really have anything to chase for because, you know, you were lucky enough to get me a Dusty Dominance day one. I literally had no other cards to chase. So that was what I chased, Tyrone's, Bulking, Severos's. Well, I'm pretty sure uh, Jenks can help you out with a few of those. I mean, happy happy he, he, to do that. He, he you hates <laughs> um, but again, I, you, you, I don't it's not about us, but I just you know to give you a little bit of an insight that intentions of bulking are not generally malicious. It's more something that someone has decided to do to give them in some enjoyment in a chase or in a release. Yeah,
1: no, but in, and, in, in in saying that, there's definitely people out there I don't think so much in AFL. Who have an intent to try and buy up certain types of cards to then turn them over at a later stage, yep. and again, they have the same opportunity as anyone else to buy them. Absolutely. Uh,
0: Jules just said, "Sorry, he's getting old." Yeah, sent you a message. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, Julesy. Um, all right, beautiful. So, look, it's um, it's been obviously, you know, collecting and chasing cards for everyone is is different for everyone's uh, desires yeah. and likes, but everyone has the same opportunity. And all I can say is try different things. That's what I did, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I've tried different things. Who knows what I'll be collecting in a year's time. Yeah. Um, you know, it won't be dusty if he's at St Kilda, but you know, try different things and collect different things and see what gives yeah, you enjoyment out just, of it. Just,
1: and, and adjust to market conditions yeah. as a collector, make your adjustments accordingly to market market conditions um, and, and what's happening. Yeah. Can we talk about Lowe's and jumpers and uh, ones sure. my favourites?
0: So I've certainly noticed, and we we put up a post on Really Good Vibes, um, or someone else did actually, about what are people looking or what are they excited about for Prestige. I remember you and I sitting in a meeting one night going, shit a brick. Can you believe how many people want Joe, Joe Lowe's, jumpers, um O1s, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. We were actually blown away. Yeah. Do you feel that this is a new trend that people again, as we've just been talking about, are refining their chases and trying sure. different things. Because perhaps Chaser if you're a challenging yeah, if you're a Brisbane collector, you can get your Brisbane set really easily. Yeah. But hey, I might go and try to do the O ones yeah. or the jumper numbers yeah. or the, the lows. Is it, again, is this just the evolution
1: of people maturing, collecting different things? Yeah, so uh, my observation is why back the clock, even to 2020, collecting O1s, jumper numbers and low numbers was, not, it's not an exclusive club of people, a limited amount of people. Yep. You would find at best one, maybe two collectors from each team if at all, that we're interested in those cards and put a premium on those cards. Yep. Now, for those who don't know, we're now only into AFL cards. The numbering of AFL cards seems to be relatively mutually exclusive to AFL cards. In the international sports, the low numbers and stuff don't really matter so much. Jerseys do. Last off the line seems to be an interesting one, but for the it's most not part, yeah, yeah, they don't not care long. about low numbers too much. Yep. We seem to care a lot about it. And I think part of it comes down to the fact that there are so many numbered cards because most short print cards are numbered in AFL, whereas they're not in international product. Now, the numbering thing is really interesting. It's definitely the big trend at the moment or one of the big trends at the moment in AFL um it, it's compounded over the last few months and it's reached absolute fever pitch during prestige and this was the perfect series for it to happen if you wanted to chase lows and stuff or particular cards this was where to do it because there was so many subsets with number variations involved it's per- um, it's, it's the perfect story yeah what's it meant for prices and i often get asked a lot of people ask me what, you know? how do you value these types of cards? How do you value lows? How do you value jumper numbers? How do you value 01s? Or how do you value a particular number, perhaps a number 13 for our uh, listener, Mitchy Carter, if you're out yep. there watching this episode, So, or David Norman with his 17. Yep. So different people collect different numbers. Now, the, the, the reality is, it once again, the, the undeniable key motivating factor is always going to be supply and demand. What is an individual person that really wants that, going to be prepared to pay for something? Now, for me, I put ceilings on everything. I won't just pay an amount of money for a card. I have to rationalise it in my own mind and I have my own structures in my mind. So... I don't know if it's going to help anyone else, but this is the way that I, I sort of look at it, and the way. It, so, and, and, so yeah. let's just clarify it. Yeah. Obviously,
0: an 01 is no one. A jumper number could be a low or a high. Or a high. Yeah.
1: What is? What do I constitute as a low? Yeah. Because uh, anything from, from a zero one to a zero nine is a low. A ten to me is not a low number. So okay. I would pay a premium for an 09 that I wouldn't pay for a ten. I would pay. In fact, I would pay double the money. For an O for an O two to an O9, if it wasn't the jumper number, I would pay double what I would pay for the 10. Yep. And I would only pay for the 10 what I would pay for card 150. Yep. Okay. The big debate about zero one or jumper number, zero one jumper number, what's more important, what's more valuable? Me personally, I value them the same. They're the same to me. The interesting thing is a lot of people will say jumper numbers have a higher value to them. Well, to me, the one one can't change. Someone's jersey number can change. So does someone changing a jersey number therefore impact the value? Well, that's in the eye of the beholder because how do you look at your collection and say, Well, I don't like that card I don't value as high anymore because he doesn't wear it? Or when they printed that card, he was wearing that number. So there's yeah. so many different little things that have to play on your brain and and go around in your head. But basically the way I look at it is the value of a card. At a basic level also has a determining factor in how many multiples i will pay for a jumper an 01. so for instance if a card is one hundred dollars mm. on a, at a basic level it's a hundred dollar card a normal version of the card is worth a hundred dollars i would be inclined probably to pay somewhere between double and two-and-a-half to three times the amount at a maximum, okay? Yep. So if it's a $100 card but there's a jumper number variation or a 01 variation, I would pay probably in the – I would expect to pay around 250 to 300 However, if it was a $5 card, I wouldn't apply the same logic. I wouldn't expect for a five, a card that would normally be $5, I'm not expecting to get the jumper number or the 01 for $10 to $15. I'm actually probably going to pay a multiple of about 5 to 8 on it. So right. if five, what would normally be a $5 card, if it was a jumper number, I'd probably even pay up to $40 to $50 for it. So even probably up to a multiple of 10 So it's really interesting. I don't know if other people look at it the same way. Yeah. That's just in my mind how, how I've set my prices. What about at
0: the other end of the scale? And obviously St Kilda cards are not worth as much say than Richmond or yeah. Collingwood or yeah. wherever it might be. But if you've got a $1,000 card, yeah. you know, a normal number, say number to 40 card, yeah. if it's a jumper number or, or an 01, are you still paying a 3X multiplier for that card?
1: Well, it's hard I to sell I feel it, like it's it, less. Well, it also, yeah, because it reaches a point of critical mass. That there where, a marketplace. Well, there isn't a marketplace yeah. beyond a certain price level. Yeah. So if the market doesn't exist for the people that are prepared to pay 3000 for what would ordinarily be a $1,000 card, then the price pressure is going to push it down, yep. and it probably becomes a eighteen hundred to twenty two hundred dollar card. Yep, of course. Is that fair? Yep. yep. Yeah. So that that that's that. Yeah, that's how I would see that.
0: Okay. So look, you know, obviously you're more welcome to reach out to any of us. Lots of good de- debate and a few laughs going on in the, in the chat. But yeah, if anyone ever wants any hand with pricing cards, message Shanks. Yeah. Um. But we're always happy to help. But you know, that is a, not a bad little, I guess rough thing of how to do a comparison of where the prices should be yeah Um, but it's an exciting time and you know again last off the line of or 60 or 60 or whatever it's to be called ea 101 yeah i feel like that's definitely come to present yeah you know does that mean that soon you know the mid-cart you know 30 of 60 is going to be something
1: who knows i feel like as we've seen the participation increase And just so everyone knows out there when we say we bring you the data so as we say we look at things across a bunch of measurements of what we're involved in could be across our facebook network our ebay network our online network and other market research that we do into it Mm -hmm. we can tell you that contrary to whatever you may see or hear or other people say based on our data points and the measurements we take the participation rate in afl trading cards in australia has doubled doubled since the start of 2021, yep. there are literally double the amount of people right now involved in AFL cards as there was on January 1st of this year. Yeah, that's how big it is. Yep. And that's how huge it is. So when you take away that that other white, you know, some of the white noise or whatever it may be, and, and you remove yourself from it and look at it. Think about how many new friendships you've created and how many new people you've chatted to and how significant your network of people you chat to has increased on Facebook all because of trading cards and that's a reflection of how many people are just coming and coming and coming and coming. And that's what makes me think we are still early days. People are so emotionally... And financially and physically invested in this. Yep. Yes, Lucas.
0: What did he say? The centerfold. Oh, <laughs> I
1: love it. Yes.
0: <laughs> All right, I'm definitely gonna use the centerfold. Um answer a couple of questions that are coming up. Um, Pete hey Crispy. AJ, as a tiger's collector, do you find busting boxes to find high-end tiger cards is so much easier than hunting. Um, I mean, obviously, when you're chasing high-end cards, it no doesn't matter mm. if it's Richmond for anyone else. Um it's always better to get it out of a box that you've probably paid retail for or you're in a break for. But as we all know, it doesn't work out that way. The strategy I use is I get Jenks to go and buy a box, open it, and he
1: normally comes up with Richmond cards. I, I somehow hit all the Richmond cards. It kills me because I hit it out of all my personals and I just end up giving it to this bloke.
0: So it's a, it's a great deal for me. That's the advice. Find, yeah. find yourself a Jenks. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So sure, sure. um, yeah. uh, what's
0: of questions. Oh, Yeah. What's the percentage of EA buyers that don't associate on Facebook, Glennie? At a guess, and we haven't talked about this, but I would say
1: over half. No, I'm saying like well up around around ninety percent of the eBay transactions we get, we don't recognise the names. It's probably not probably about ninety five percent. Yeah, well there you go. Like, so uh, we we think yeah. So we think that that Facebook Glenn probably only if you if you went across all the pages. And you actually looked at active membership, there's probably around 1,500 to 2,000 on Facebook, individual people no, that are more. No, more. In, involved in AFL, Yeah, like actual active individuals. Yep. I reckon Facebook accounts for 10%, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah you're probably right. Facebook yeah. accounts for about 10% of what the market is. I think it's up there in the low tens of thousands in the AFL community.
0: Yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's probably rough. Yeah. But yeah, a very, very small amount. Like the Facebook bubble, we all think that this is everyone's collecting. It's a very, very small amount. Jules, uh, the, Let me read you. this out. The beauty I see in the AFL community, don't just suddenly stop. A lot of NBA new people got into this for the wrong reasons. So dropout rate went up, but AFL only went up and up. So for those who don't know Jules,
1: Jules is, uh, is one of the co-founders and co-owners of EJ's Trading Cards in Melbourne. An institution at the Caribbean market for many, many years, and now they have their own own fantastic E-Jace. store. Yep, it uh, makes our store look very small and uh, yep. not great, to be honest. But uh, no, no, you do, you, do, you do a great job. Jules, there, Jules there, has E-Jace. been at the at the, uh, the coal face of dealing with people in the traditional format of trading cards, so actually speaking to proper human beings face to face. and what what Jules says actually carries a lot of weight here, and I absolutely agree that because people love their footy so much because it's a cultural institution in Australia football, yep. when people collect trading cards or collect footy merchandise or jerseys, whatever it is, they're all in and they don't just bail out because bailing out is almost, it's it, it's bailing out on their club. So yep. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the mentality. a great point. So as long as the the genuine collectors are always there to underpin the hobby, yep. it, it will sustain. And I think... As much as some people don't see it and think collectors are getting priced out, it's incorrect. There are a lot more coming in than are leaving at any given time. So the pricing thing isn't that detrimental at this point in time, or it's not as bad as what people may make it out to be in terms of how it's hitting the hip pocket.
0: Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, and if you haven't checked out EJs, make sure you go check them down. Jules and Rob, they're rippers down there. Um, Look, I want to move this along because... You know, as always, we say we're going to do an hour show and, well, we're already in an hour. Excellent. Um, just a little bit of, I guess, cardboard school. We haven't touched on this for a little while. Um, as we were saying, there's been lots of trades going on more than ever. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you can be doing lots of transactions with people. Um you know that you may not have done any kind of deal with before. Um, and I wanted to give people a little snapshot about PayPal. Now, a lot of people use PayPal and we hear this friends and family thing thrown around pretty comfortably. and it's probably the preferred method. And the reason, and I thought I'd explain a little bit of this is friends and family, of course, there's no fees. Yeah. so no one pays any fees. yeah, but there's also very little protection for the person that's actually buying the product. You're, you're trading off
1: paying a fee for any form of buyer's purchase. Correct. Yeah.
0: So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I purchased a card and I, I admit I, the price was about right, but I felt something wasn't quite right about the transaction. So I paid the fees, which effectively is 3%. Yeah. Um, bought the transaction. The guy then messed around for a couple of weeks, didn't end up happening. Um, didn't send me a tracking number alarm bells going off everywhere eventually sent me a tracking number when I got the item I knew straight away take it out of the PO box that the envelope was empty it didn't feel right so what I did was I went into the post office I got the lady at the post office to actually physically film me while I opened the envelope and surprise surprise the envelope was empty so I initially lodged a complaint with PayPal they then investigated it After a few bells and whistles and a few jumping around, I had to send the video in and all that kind of stuff. I ended up getting the money back. So I just wanted to sort of give everyone a little bit of a snapshot of, you know, there's nothing wrong with paying fees on eBay. Everyone seems a bit against it on PayPal. Sorry. Um, If you want to go and buy a card and someone says friends and family only, there's nothing wrong with you saying, I'm happy to cover the fees. So, um, Anthony, I will, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, The, if you pay fees, you wear it as the buyer, the seller shouldn't be worried. As soon as they put the tracking number in, if they take the photos, all that kind of stuff, um, they're protected. But it's just an extra layer of protection if you're a little bit dubious about the transaction you're going on. And 99 times out of 100, transactions go without any issues no problems at all but i can't stress enough to people especially new people in the hobby don't feel scared about paying for fees or paying the extra three percent um and if you're selling something don't be scared if someone wants to pay the fees you take a picture of the card take a picture of the envelope put the tracking number in and that's going to protect you as long as you're doing the right thing i
1: think as with everything you know buyer beware if it's someone you haven't dealt with before or someone that you, you know, hasn't dealt with anyone else that you know that someone will vouch for. Yep, pay the extra three percent, two point seven percent, just yep. do it for peace of mind for exactly that that situation. Um, and just to address what Glennie said, there is there a a, um, a mark of value to which you require registered postage? For me, Glenn, generally, I always prefer to just pay the extra money for registered post. Pretty much any card for me above like thirty bucks, yep. unless if it's a low number. With a value below thirty, I'll still do register post. So even if it was like a seven-dollar card, I'll pay seven dollars extra for registered post. And again, so funny, I want the card to disappear.
0: Yeah, and it depends too. Like I know I get a lot of stuff sent to PO boxes. Yeah. If I've dealt with a person before and it's a low value card, I may not worry. But nine times out of ten, I'm pretty much going to be using register as well. Anthony Lyons, um, who actually Anthony, you've told me about this before. If you use a credit card with PayPal. You have 30 days to cancel the transaction with the bank, which will open up a complaint with PayPal. Yeah. Now, let me stress these, um, and that's great advice, Anthony, but these tactics, we want to be used in the right method. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see people doing transactions and then trying to cancel transactions yeah. to stiff people. Yeah. But if you have a genuine issue with something that you've bought, contact your bank, get them to cancel their credit card. Yeah. Take from I, that- I think in general terms
1: or in broad terms, it's starting to feel like PayPal is starting to become a bit outdated. Yep. I think PayPal is on the way out. Yeah, I feel like direct transactions between people, PayID, OSCO, all that sort of stuff is becoming the new normal. But does that remove any kind of protection for the buyer? No, really, because you've still got your bank's protection. So you can still always dispute a transaction with your bank. So, Which interesting happened to me with eBay recently, funnily enough, whilst we're on the topic, I might just jump into this quickly mm-hmm. is so eBay so I'm on the new eBay system where they've removed PayPal I'm on the direct payments yeah and what they do is they they withhold they withhold the fees and stuff first up which is really good but prior to my switchover they did my final transaction and they they debited four hundred and eighty dollars out of my bank account for a canc- for a transaction that was cancelled and the person never paid me right so I had a big sale go through it was, a, it? was like the thirty days of sales or whatever? And there was a big sale in there, but the, there was a massive sale in there. That, yeah? yeah, you don't even talk. Yeah, about every show. Yeah, right. So it got cancelled. Everything, whatever, all legit through the eBay system. Next thing you know, I get the charge. I contact eBay customer service. They say yes, it's an error now and we'll reverse it. Nothing happens. Two days later, oh, I you know started losing it a bit. I spoke to someone that promised me it was going to get done. I don't want to waste my time with this. Blah, blah blah. Just reverse it. Yeah, it'll get done. Another few days go by, week goes by, contact them again, again, again. Still nothing happens. I just called my bank and got a reversal, put through a reversal from my bank. It took 72 hours, but the bank reversed the transaction against eBay, and then eBay contacted me to acknowledge that Sorry, we should have reversed it ourselves. We don't know why it didn't happen. But yep. at the end of the day, you can always the the last line of defence is going to your bank to absolutely to do it. Yeah.
0: So look again. Look, this is this is certainly. Um, oh well, actually, let's let's read this, James. Um, it has been interesting for me as someone new to the hobby not really knowing anyone and just trusting the friends and family is safe it's been a great reflection for me on rgb community as a whole and that's right james look i think a lot of the communities most of the communities are generally good people we certainly know at really good vibes we we vet a lot of people yeah, that's right. um but again that's not going to stop people sometimes doing the wrong thing for whatever reason um but again just protect yourself. And that's probably the motto of this cardboard school, protect yourself. Yeah. You know, take photos, pay fees, pay for registered posts. Get vouchers on people. If yep. it's too good yep. to yeah, be voucher. true, it often
1: is. If the profile yep. looks like it's been registered for three days, well, you're probably getting burnt. You yep. Know? Yep. If, if the, the price the, is the too good to be true, a pa- fantastic page called Australian Sports Card Scammers Exposed. It's a private group. They let anyone in anyway. Australian Sports Card Scammers Exposed. If someone wants to throw a link up, throw the link up. You should go check that out. It's a good way to vet people as well. And just, yeah, you know, you can run a quick name search on people and see if anything comes up there. Yep. Um, you, you know, there's a lot but of ways. As, as you would in society and in any other form of retail purchasing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just and,
0: protect and, yourself. And, yeah, and Stephen's right. You know, if it's still safe, I've had one person in four years scam me. And that's right. Out of the thousands of transactions I've done, this is pretty much the first one yeah. that I've had. Yeah. So again... Ask someone, this community is small on Facebook. Generally, everyone has done something with everybody. Yeah. Just protect yourself a little bit. Yeah. Um, and also products. there are
1: new people who have no idea what's going on and they are hmm. naive and they need to be educated. So some people may there may not be there may not be malicious intent, they need to be educated, not abused, sort yep. of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing. When I'm dealing with a new person that looks to be relatively new, like, hey. My son got a packet or I picked up my first box or I got my first pack. I got this card. What's it worth? And I end up buying that card. I will then talk to them about what is required for packing. And I'll ask them, like, do you have sleeves? Do you have top letters? All this sort of stuff. If they say no, I'll start to go into depth with them. Okay, well, can you get it? If you can't get it, what do you have? Do you have cardboard? And now I explain it to them. Yep. Because, yeah, there's a lot it's, of people it's, it's, that are genuinely yeah. good. There's the people that are on full-on fishing expeditions and out there game fishing. There's no doubt about it. But then we are at a time where the hype is real. People are trying to get into trading cards. They have no idea. We were all there at some point in time. Yeah, totally. we, all, we all bought a packet from the servo, opened up the cards and probably chucked it in the side of our door for them all to get destroyed. Whilst we're picking up some late night snacks or something once upon a time or whatever it is. That's
0: right. It's, you know, we've said this before, you know, it's on everyone in the community to help people. You don't have to go out of your way to get that. If there's a situation where you can help improve a transaction or someone's experience, I mean, it makes the community a better place for everyone if you all help. Yeah. Anyway, as uh, Wade said to us a couple of weeks ago, just don't be shit. That's, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the, motto. the motto. All right. So, look, we will slowly wrap the show up. Now, Unicorn Hunting, I don't have a unicorn for tonight because um, we've been a little bit distracted, but I am opening up unicorns for Prestige next week. Normally, we don't like to do anything for the current release until about a month after. So, make sure you submit your unicorns next week for Prestige. We have had a big week of pre- um, unicorn landing, though. Yeah, There was... Um, Paddy Ryder. Paddy Ryder Platinum. Round load for Selwyn
1: after a two-year search for the card. Finally yep, it was one through. of the
0: early ones we put up, so well done to you, Selwyn. That's fantastic. Um, we also had the Jai future, the franchise franchise future Franchise Future come yep. up today. Yep. Um, it's not available, but it was nice that the person actually who had the card reached so, out. I've got it, and it's not available, but at least
1: the person knows where it yep. is. Yep. And there was
0: another one as well. I think there was another one. But either way, fantastic. Thank you, Unicorn community. Make sure you go check out cardauthority.com.au. Uh, we have all our unicorns. They will be updated tomorrow. Um, but submit your unicorns for Prestige or any other releases, um, and we will certainly look at that. Um, what's this? Robert? Mason wants to know what your Brownlow prediction is. Uh, Brownlow prediction is Clayton Oliver. Really? Yep.
1: Him and the track not pulling enough votes off each other, then now the tracks games. not pulling enough. What about doggies? No. Well, what's your prediction? It's, uh, I know he's going to say Jack That's Steel. right, because I don't predict things, I just support yep. Jack Steele and the Saints for the granny. Thank you very yep. much. Yes, my money's where my mouth is, both in trading cards and bets. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> that's right.
0: And that's why, as someone else said, that's why I use Jenks' Sports Better account. Correct. Because you can always get a better You on. can always get a better um, But account. yeah, thank you, everyone, for unicorns. Um, make sure you get involved. If there is a unicorn you need, get to cardauthority.com.au. Um, we always like to try to track down cards for you guys. Jenks, you've been amazing as always. Thank you very much. And we will see you all next week. Stay safe and don't be shit. The Castle of Da
1: Vinci signing out.